0: My grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more. Welcome to another episode of This Week at VA. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. I'm sure many of you enjoyed celebrating our Independence Day this week, and I hope you all had a safe holiday. I want to start today's show by telling you about the Veterans Innovation Partnership Fellowship. This is a one-year paid opportunity for veterans with graduate degrees that are interested in foreign affairs and global development careers. It's offered by the Department of State as a 12-month full-time employment beginning in the fall. Each fellow will receive a portfolio with assigned work commitments as a foreign affairs officer or a program analyst. To learn more about the opportunity and to begin the application process, go to vipfellowship.org and be sure to apply soon as the window closes on July 17 and they're capping the number of applicants at 500 total and that's only 250 for each job series and so once that cap hits they're closing it whether or not it's uh, before July 17. So uh, July 17 at the latest, but I highly recommend uh, that you inquire if you're interested. Again, that's vipfellowship.org for more information. Today's feature interview is with Darren Sherrod. Darren talks to us about joining the Army, his 20 years of service, and his continued service to veterans here at VA. Enjoy.
1: Yeah, actually, I think it is Sherrod, but in the South, we call it Sherrod, and <laughs> and my family gets mad if anybody allows Sherard.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, very mm-hmm. well. Darren Sherrod, you are the Associate Director for Marketing and Advertising. Um, you uh, have a large part in the initiative that is VA uh, Careers. Uh, but before we get to your involvement at VA, uh, I want to talk about the thing that we all have in common uh, here on this show, and that's serving in the military, and especially the decision to do so. Can you bring us back to the day that you decided to join the United States military?
1: Well, that was a long time ago, in 1983. Uh, I actually, I, I was a de- death referral, a delayed entry program referral from my good friend, and uh, he had just joined, and he introduced me to his recruiter, and asked me what I was going to do when I graduate. And before I could say go to college, I started thinking about what was I really going to do. And I didn't have a plan, so I talked to him, and uh, next thing you know, I was in the army. Uh, my in at one of the Fourth of July events, a golden night in small town. Jumped out for our Fourth of July uh, picnic in the town. It was one golden night. He hit the ground and he pulled that maroon beret out and put it on his head. And every girl I ever greened of was running over and gagaing at him. And I said, <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. So I joined to be uh, to to be airborne and go to the 82nd Airborne. And they said, "Well, what job do you want?" I said, "I want to be airborne." So. Ended up being a Ford Observer, and I did get to go 82nd with uh, Airborne Option. Been here and did did my 20 years.
0: Yeah, 20 years. Um, I'm sure plenty happened in those two decades, but do do you have a, a story or experience that you like to recall on often or something that maybe you think may be the epitome of your time in?
1: I think one of the the biggest things that I learned is I was just really fortunate with great leaders. When I was, when I was in the the 82nd, I ended up going to Panama. And when I left there, I got in a little trouble and I went to Fort Campbell and my platoon sergeant from Panama was there and he helped me work through that so that it didn't end my career. And then later on I got drafted into recruiting and the non-commissioned officer that ran the office in Mesquite, Texas was a great man from Louisiana. And and he taught me how to do something that I had no idea or desire to do. And I ended up uh, finishing staying in it and being very successful at it. Um, and then there was... There was another time when uh, my sergeant major, I'd had uh, some issues with uh, some family personal problems, and and my immediate supervisor was looking to uh, get rid of me as far as just too many, too much of a personal issue, and and that uh, actually he's my sergeant major now, but uh, he was a first sergeant, and he he responded back to him to. Uh, let's take care of him while we're in a position to do so instead of kicking him while he's down. And, and I, I learned of that, but I can see how leaders throughout my career guided me and helped me uh, until I retired. And then of course that, that led me into my next job of healthcare recruiting when I got out of the army.
0: Yeah. I, I think that that is such a great example of, uh, leadership that that is seen, not you know, especially in the military, of um, being able to look at a service member who isn't in the best spot, and instead of taking uh, you know you options as a leader, and you could discipline them in a way that makes it seem like you're giving them proper consequence for their actions, or you can um, you can you know, make sure that they are aware of the, uh, of where they're at and why they're there, but take the step that nurtures them and helps them get back on the right foot.
1: Yeah, it it was, it was really a great lesson in empathy and, and compassion that I learned. Uh, I'm not your gent, gentler, kindler first sergeant, but, uh, but he sure taught, taught, taught me empathy from that.
0: Yeah. So you got out after 20 years. Um, were Did you feel like you were ready? That would have been, what, 2003?
1: 2003, yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you, did you feel like you were prepared? Uh, I did. I did. I, was, I really felt so.
1: Um, I went to the transitional classes at Fort Knox, Kentucky, and they started off with you're going to take a 30% pay cut, and you're kind of starting over, so don't go out there expecting the moon. And I was a little disappointed because being in recruiting, I had been recruited for other positions within uh, sales and and recruiting positions in the private sector. I also had an opportunity from someone I knew to go partner with them in running a nurse staffing company. So I was really fortunate that I had a job lined up equal to or better than what I had at that time. I realized that doesn't happen to everybody, but I do, uh, I do feel that being realistic in, in what our experience and education is and uh, taking the steps, you know, we, we chart our own path. We're not destined uh, from what the transition assistant office tells us. So, uh, you know, I can sh- I see examples all the time of of senior noncommissioned officers getting out, uh, officers getting out and doing very well or doing very poorly, and a lot of it has to do with uh, just what it was in the military, uh, make you know, it's your career, what you make out of it. So that 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 was that was kind of my biggest thing getting out. Um, now, when I learned five years later in 2008, when the market Uh, turned around, is that I was not prepared. Hmm. I had a ton, a ton of experience, but I didn't have an education. So I was 40 years old, uh, 42, I think, beginning to do interviews uh, for positions that my competitors had college degrees and master's, and, and I didn't have those. And so it it, it was an eye opener. I also had to learn how to uh, job hunt uh, and to to network and and everything kind of from scratch. So I kind of did my transition five years after I got out, and I found the the position that I'm in now was uh, healthcare recruitment, marketing, and advertising, and it was about a year after Katrina in New Orleans, and uh, as my father said, there's probably not one person that had the background exactly the same as that job description. And at that time, I would imagine not a lot applied to go to New Orleans after Katrina. So uh, fortunate for me, I don't think I had a lot of competition. And being a service-connected disabled veteran with the hiring preference, the uh, I was I was picked up for it, and been here ever since. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you, um, I think that's that's a story I don't think we hear enough, and it clearly has to happen, is someone who transitioned initially well, but then when it came to a career transition later on, faced difficulties, uh, and maybe, I don't know if maybe they're more difficult at that point because you don't have the, uh, I don't know the right word for it, I want to say the, the luxury of being in transition, if that makes sense, but um, or being between jobs when it makes sense. You're sort of, um, I think, the pressure to uh, to take the next step is maybe weighs a little bit more. Um, have you you didn't have you tried? Uh, you said you didn't have an education. Did you ever go back to get that education?
1: I did. Kind of a couple of things about that is is technically, you know, when I left that uh, private company, I was technically unemployed. I did have a severance package, and I had some uh, cashed-in vacation time, uh, so I went and saw the veteran service officer at the county office. He referred me. He he reminded me I was unemployed and that I should go see the uh, vocab rehab counselor because I would be likely eligible for that, and so I went and talked to him, and I shared with him my experience, and I'd had about maybe 60 credit hours through this and that, while i was in the army but they had a program i learned of a program called matriculation where they evaluate your skills education experience uh, and they can accept you into a master's program without a bachelor's degree so i applied at pcu in texas uh, and i ended up not getting accepted for that and after i got the job I, uh, in New Orleans, I moved down and applied at Tulane, and I got accepted into their executive MBA program. Um, uh, however, since I was employed, Vocab Rehab uh, was not an option anymore, and so I didn't go there. So, But I did end up using uh, the 9-11 GI Bill. I had 23 months uh, of that, um, so I got 70% benefits, and and I went to uh, online college uh, and finished up with a bachelor's in applied management. And currently, I'm enrolled again into in uh, working on an MBA.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I, I, um, were you pursuing the MBA again?
1: Uh, at Liberty University.
0: Liberty. Okay, cool. So you got in your position that you are in now here at VA in 2008. What what is it about the? Uh, actually, let's let's uh, let's rewind a little. Two two questions that I uh, I kind of glossed over. Um, the first during during your transition, I mean, you said you had a smooth one. Um, did you experience any sort of emotional crisis that a lot of veterans do when they're when they separate from the military, either through identity or other transitional uh, issues, maybe outside of your career?
1: Well, you know, as when you asked me to do this, I thought about how honest I would be and open. And that, you know, that it was, it was a big thing. Uh, just as an example, by 05, uh, I was divorced and I'd been married to for 16 years. And I found myself a year after getting out of the army, uh, divorced and raising a couple of kids. Um, and so my life really changed. And then not until I got to the VA and I came here, but. For the last five for the five years after I got out, I had a uh, some issues with uh, like panic attacks and anxiety uh, that uh, a lot of our veterans experience now. It, uh, it it was definitely a new thing. So I guess my point to it is is once you sh- slow down your mind and your body, uh, things from 1985 can come back to say hello. And if you haven't dealt with them, you'll be dealing with them at some point. And so, uh, I ran to the VA and, uh, they, they helped me out and, and helped me figure out what was going on and, and, uh, uh, helped me find a way to where, you know, I, I can still serve hurt uh, while still taking care of myself.
0: Yeah. And then, um, the, then your uh a discovery of a renewed purpose. How long did it, did it take you to just, did you get that with that first job uh, right out of the military or, or was it later on?
1: Well, you know, I was a really good recruiter and even better than me is, is my soldiers. I was a, uh, a good recruiting first on, and we won, we, we won a lot of awards and we would call it wood. And so I was really excited to get out and instead of wood, I wanted to earn money. And so I got into that uh, position and I had Dallas Cowboys season tickets and a fancy car and an expense account and, and bonuses. And and it, it was. It, w- it was nice. It was, uh, it, was, it was good. But then, you know, it's kind of tied to the economy, the, the, the market, the industry I was in. is tied to the economy. So when, in 2008, when that slowed down, uh, the bottom kind of fell out on the industry we were in. And so I, I hightailed it out of there.
0: I have a, I have a friend, uh, a non-veteran friend that is in, um, in nurse recruiting, and he uh, he has enjoyed how lucrative that can be. So um, I, uh, I am a little familiar with what you're talking about in that lifestyle. Um, the... Uh, so VA, 2008, um, what was your – was it this uh, – was it this position? It wasn't this position, right? It was it was this side of VA, though. Is that right? So
1: I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in there. Yeah. So in 2008, we had a uh, – there was a healthcare recruitment and retention office, and there weren't – there were not really any national recruiters or, or – and there was VA careers, but it was very small operation. No social media, uh, e- even before VA had Facebook and Twitter and all that. So we were. I, I was able to come in and, and grow the program, and we added all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're up on LinkedIn and Glassdoor. Uh, we went from 90% print advertising to 100% digital. Uh, and those And it was about the time uh, President Obama came in, and he was very pro-digital and electronic and no printing. So uh, we took all of the mass quantities of printed brochures, and we made them digital brochures, and we stopped printing. And so we took a lot of the recruitment marketing that was very manual and very uh, paper-oriented, and we put it online. And we've expanded our, our reach tenfold uh, for no less money. And so that's just some really good stuff. And then uh, then we started growing national recruiters to where every uh, visit in the country has a, a national healthcare recruiting consultant. And I support them in addition to the VA careers promotions. I support them with uh, uh, very specific marketing programs and, uh, and tools for them. And so it's been an exciting time and anytime something happens uh, anywhere in the news, uh, you, we, we are usually one of the first calls of, of we need to get turn on the faucet to get leads going to the, whatever the area of the country it is. Uh, and, and we were able to do that very well because the VA is a preferred employer and, while and and a lot of times when the, the challenges come, it's because we're so it's so competitive uh, that it, it re, you really have to you know you really have to be competitive in, in your application process in, in order to get through.
0: Yeah, for uh, for those that are listening that may have uh are that are listening intently because they're interested in a career at VA, how does one make their resume their application competitive?
1: Well, the first thing you do is you go to vacareers.va.gov. That is our career website. And you identify the how, how to apply and the tips. And you become a student. Um, you know, when I started applying for jobs with for the federal government, I just had a resume, I uploaded stuff, and, and I just applied for everything. But... That it doesn't work. I learned that rather than a shotgun approach, you have to take a sniper approach. So, if you take a look at my his, uh, job history and experience, and compare it to the original job announcement of what they were looking for, it's almost identical. And 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 so when you find a job that that you're qualified for, you know not not because of education or, or because we think so, but because when you read that it's like exactly what you've done. Then you have to take your resume and you have to adapt it to the job announcement. And what I mean by that is is this is two thousand and seventeen. So everything is ran digitally. And so the keywords are plugged in to the system. Uh, you know, we, the VA gets over a million applications annually and we have to hire about 44,000. So when you look at those numbers, you can see one, you know, individuals sitting around trying to pick through a million applications would be very challenging. So, so the first step is there's, is, uh, to be able to have have the the system pick up your skills and your experience that the position needs. And so once you get once you do that, and I you know where I used to could, would do an application an hour, you know I would you know in reality you can spend a week as week get preparing to apply for one position uh, that you really really qualified for um, for veterans VA for vets at VA.gov there's assistance there a lot of the veteran service officers uh, and, and companies host uh, classes and, and different things to help with resumes and and you know I, I was fortunate being in recruiting that I kind of had a taste of that. But for the most part, when an 18-year-old boy joins the military and gets out at 40, he doesn't have a clue how to complete a resume or to translate it or many things. And and it's up to us to learn that and adapt that for the next position that we're going after.
0: Yeah. I think one thing, and I bring this up every time I talk about Jobs uh, for like for veterans seeking employment. Um, one thing I think veterans don't do uh, well enough is describe how good of a follower they are. Like we, I think veterans are often taught to harp on their leadership, and um, I don't know what I don't know how this pertains exactly to how VA analyzes. Uh, um, Uh, applications and residency But just in general, when veterans are applying for um, employment, they're always harping on how much of a leader they are, how many Marines or soldiers they led. uh, When, you know, every position requires both leadership and the ability to follow. I think that um, veterans often forget that aspect of their value to an organization.
1: I agree. And, you know, it, it, it made me think of an actual hiring event we had many years ago, and uh, I'm not going to share the individual's name, but he came up to the table and he didn't like the way things were going, so he began to let me know about it. And as I looked at his resume, I saw that he had he was a lieutenant colonel out of the army, and and I tried to be nice for a minute until I told him, uh, well, you're probably not going to get hired. You're probably not getting a interview because they don't want to hire work with you. I know I don't. And it was because the aggression and the mannerisms that he was portraying, uh, were kind of forceful. And if you take a look at the civilian population, most of them are not prepared for one of us to be up in their face. And so we have to make sure that we, our communication skills and our mannerisms and our, uh, body language is comparable and relatable at the employer we're looking to be with.
0: Yeah, I think, and the, the easiest, easiest way to cheat that if, if, uh, if you're listening and you're sort of unsure of, you know, if you, if you identify that and you don't know how to adjust, if you even simply is mimic the mannerisms of the person you're talking to, you will already seem more, um, they will already they'll they will subconsciously become more comfortable with you and that's that's actually a body a body language behavior analysis proven thing that if you just mimic the behavior mannerisms of the person you're talking to they will naturally think or not think not think better of you but be more comfortable around you
1: absolutely and you know and just as a follow-up to that the the gentleman appreciated me telling him that he He really did take a look at it, and he does work for the VA today uh, and, you know, never had a problem like that. It was just sometimes, you know, it's a different environment, and we just have to reprogram uh, and relook at certain things. One of the things that I, you know, and that's one of the values I got out of college. I never really uh, thought that I needed to go, and I didn't didn't really see a lot of value. But what I did learn – is I learned how everybody else is. So, and what I mean by is, is in the military, I knew how to be be and hang out and what personalities in the army were like, but I wasn't real used to other like college, college profes- professionals uh, in methods and that they've been taught in environments they've been taught in. And, and it really gave me a, a little insight as to uh you know, why is someone so picky on formatting of a business paper? You know, where I may not think it's a big deal, the content is. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's just a different education and learning from that. And so I do think it's today, if, if we don't want a blue-collar job, uh, we, have, we pretty much need to make sure we get our college degree. And I encourage people to uh, think college, think healthcare and then think VA because, uh, healthcare, you know, we have probably 10 of the top 10 most critical jobs in America at VA. Uh, and there's no better place as a veteran to work than taking care of our brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a couple more questions for you, Darren. The first, um, the, Obviously, there's parallels between um, what you did uh, in, uh, in the Army and then uh, what you're doing now with recruiting and whatnot. But what other skill set or, or talent or discipline did you get in the military that you find yourself applying to today that's uh, contributing to your success? Uh,
1: the biggest thing is just uh, never quit and time management. You know, uh, I have a – you have a, a gut. And that gut tells you to be busy, and to take that hill, and to do your best, and to win, and to keep going. Uh, And I've always had that. And so as I get older, you know, I keep think, you know, I keep looking at how am I going to continue to grow. Uh, And that's one of my challenges here is what's my next step uh, because I want to grow. And I think when someone comes into a position and they want to learn to master it. And they want to be on time, and they want to show up every day. Uh, I think that's one of the be- better soft skills that that we that the military teaches us is just that uh, our employers can count on us, and our customers and patients as well.
0: And then finally, um, what what do you what do you tell people? Like, why should someone want to work at VA? Why should someone? I know you said it's it's or it's a highly sought out employer, but to those that are maybe on the fence or or just just now um, considering VA, what's I mean, what's the real pull? What's the benefit for working for the department?
1: And and it is it's it's multiple. It's usually uh, different for everyone. Most people that join the VA, they don't do so because of the mission. Uh, they joined because they needed a job. They 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 were looking for educational benefits, a good retirement plan, uh, a good uh, a good salary. Uh, you know, a lot of VA is a, a large employer in a lot of the communities. Uh, a lot of a lot of the healthcare providers that come into VA, they don't they don't really learn and, and live that mission until once they get here, and once they get in. Uh, we find that at the and the veterans and the relationships formed uh, is why is why they stay. And so it's hard to get uh, somebody to leave once they have that. Now, uh, veterans in in non healthcare care positions, a lot of them do want to work at the VA for the mission. And also because we as veterans, we can do anything and we can fix anything. And, and if there's something broke, let me ha- let me at it. I'll fix it. And so uh, it's, it really is a, a competitive position. And so why, but what I would tell someone, you know, not so much is why they want to work here, but if they do how to get here, uh, I used to tell people when I put people in the army is they would all have this list of demands. And my question to them is, is, are you joint Are you Do you want to be a truck driver or do you want to be in the army? Do you want to be in Europe or do you want to be stateside? So there's a lot of things we can get. And because of that, I would tell people not to limit their choices. And in VA, it's exactly the same. Take a look at Big Springs, Texas. Look in South Dakota, Montana. Look in these rural locations that there's not a lot of competition, a lot of the positions are professional and require degrees. Uh, and so there may be more opportunities there. So if if you really want to work at the VA, it's, you can't just focus on the one that's down the street from you if, if you're in a highly desired area like San Diego because everybody wants to work there. And so... But there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Like I said, we hire 44,000 a year. Most of them are going to be in healthcare. Uh, so if you haven't got your college yet, I, I suggest going that route.
0: All right. Darren, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for uh, sharing your story of your time in service and, and working in VA. And I really appreciate it. There are the nearly 2 million here, women veterans uh, who serve and VA deserve the best and, care anywhere. And, and VA is dedicated to meeting the unique uh, needs of all women
1: veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care, specialty care, mental mental health care,
0: and women's health specialty care, such as advanced breast and gynecological care, maternity care, and infertility treatments. At each of the 168 VA medical centers nationwide, a Women Veterans Program Manager is available to advise, advocate, and coordinate care for women veterans. Women Veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 1-855-VA-WOMEN or 1-855-829-6636 or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. For more information about benefits and other services for women Veterans, visit www.va.gov womenvet The VA Careers website is dedicated to recruiting the finest healthcare employees to to care for our veterans. You can visit vacareers.va.gov to learn more about working at VA, specific career options such as physician, nurse, and leadership, and discover availability and geographic locations that are important to you. Today's Veteran of the Day is Army Veteran Samuel V. Wilson. Samuel served in World War II. He did intel in Germany at the height of the Cold War, and he deployed to Vietnam. Samuel passed away last month at the age of 93. We honor his service. To read Samuel's full write-up and to nominate your own Veteran of the Day, visit blogs.va.gov. That does it for Episode 38. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you would like to recommend any veteran to be featured here on the podcast, simply email us. New media at va.gov. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.